so much dealing with the teaching on the church I don't know which way to go and I'll sit there for hours saying well God I want to do this or God I want to do that but then he'll show me this and then I'm like wow God but I got to throw that in there so I have to slow myself down to make sure I don't give you too much so we can all get it together how about that so I give God glory for allowing me to teach you what the Holy Spirit has given me because I believe this right here is going to help all of us um, as the church to know the order of the church and I guarantee you if all of us come together and know what the order of the church is nobody will be able to move you from where you are look at your neighbor say don't be moved out of the church amen I'm gonna go back over what I taught on last week but I'm gonna add a little bit more to it because Come to find out, some people say, oh, you didn't give us much. You shouldn't have said that. <laughs> say, you didn't give us much. You done wound me back up. I'm going to say like Rick say, I use this term now. Y'all been sought up. <laughs> I done use that term so much I got Apostle Cross saying it. <laughs> them been sought up. So we're going to start over again dealing with the foundation of the church, and I'm going to add a little bit more to it. So I pray that your spiritual ears are open um, so you can hear, which is your heart, what God has to say. Amen. First of all, when we're talking about the order of the church, this is the way that Jesus would have the church to be. We talked in the Old Testament how God gave Moses a pattern, how he gave Noah a pattern. It was God's way of doing things. So we know that those two men and many other men had to come before God to get that pattern. And God is going to give that pattern to whomever he choose to give that pattern to, to carry out his plan and purpose here on earth. So we see that when we was in the um, Old Testament, we talked about the tabernacle and every part of that tabernacle, it led up to Jesus Christ. And Jesus was the one that fulfilled those um, sacrifices. He didn't do away with the law, but he fulfilled the law. So Jesus was that final sacrifice. And now when Jesus uh, come to earth, God had given him his pattern. He had given him the way he want the order of the church to be run. So when we look at the um, New Testament and we look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, each one of them had a way of looking at Jesus. You know, um, one book looked at him as a king. Um, so when Matthew was talking about Jesus, it was really looking at his kingship. You know, the coming Messiah. They were looking for a kingdom to be set up on earth. But in all of that, both of them was talking about um, really how Jesus was going to have the church. But if you notice in these Gospels, the first thing that had to happen was when Jesus come down to the earth, he came down in the flesh. The word became flesh and we beheld his glory, right? And the glory of God, you know, it dwelt among us. But when Jesus come down here to earth, which was God really in the flesh, when he come down, he was um, delivering the way that God want things to be done in the church. He was delivering the good news concerning the kingdom. So we know the first thing that had to happen with Jesus is for him to be what endued with power from above to carry out this ministry that God had given him. So we know that's what Jesus was doing. But another thing that he showed me and which we have to really look at is 
Jesus, when he was carrying out the plans of God, he had to give it to someone because he knew he had to go back and be with the Father. See, he was setting up the church right then. He was setting up the order of the church. So he had to get some followers. Those followers were what? They were disciples. They were learners of Christ. So they followed him and they learned from him. He gave them the teaching concerning, you know, his death, burial, and resurrection. But he also gave them kingdom principles on how to live here on earth. Because he knew that when he go be with the father, that we were going to face many things down here on the earth. So by him knowing this, he had to give us a comforter which was the Holy Spirit. But notice how those disciples followed Jesus. They gave up everything to be a part of the kingdom of God that Jesus was proclaiming. So they had to lose heart. They had to lose interest in themselves, in their way of doing, in their way of being. They had to deny themselves. So what did he say? Deny yourself, take up your cross, and what? Follow me. So they had to make a decision Right then and there, am I going to follow him wholeheartedly or am am I going to stick to what I'm doing? Evidently, Jesus was bringing something to them that made them drop everything that they were doing to follow him. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus had to be proclaiming something that they were missing, that when they heard it, they began to have faith in the one that was proclaiming it and saying, forget about this. I don't need this no more. He got something that I need. They began to hear kingdom principles and the things that Jesus done through what he preached and proclaimed. They knew ain't nobody on earth doing what he's doing. So I want to join to what he's doing. So I don't mind giving up my family. I don't mind giving up my home because I believe this is what I was in the need of from the beginning. I'm telling y'all, I feel the spirit because when you really tap in to this good news and the gospel of the kingdom nothing else around you matters because you know you have tapped into another dimension that's not like the earth this is why Jesus had to come down and manifest the kingdom to the earth to let them know it's more than just this he said I'm the one that's going to bring you life I'm the one that's going to give you a Zoe life, an eternal life, an everlasting life, a life that does not cease to exist. That means even when you die, you're going to have this life. He says, so I want you to see this life and it's going to come through me and I'm going to give it to you. And as you accept this, you accepting everything that God has set up in the beginning, the way it's supposed to be, but I have to die. And he explained that he would die. But throughout his ministry, he was teaching them. First, they were disciples. They followed him. They were learners. It was more than this 12 disciples. Because the Bible tells us that when Jesus prayed, he asked the Father who were going to be the 12 apostles. So he had a lot of disciples, but he pulled out of those disciples 12 apostles. There's a reason for apostles. See, this is what we got to understand. Those 12 apostles, they really clung to Jesus. They followed everything that Jesus done because Jesus knew that they would be the ones to lay the foundation. 
the foundations that the apostle laid was for the new covenant. The, the prophets that were in the old covenant, what they did, they were foretelling of what Jesus was going to do when he came. But guess what? They were not here to see it. But the apostles was eyewitness, these 12 were eyewitnesses to what Jesus spoke and to what Jesus done. Come on, y'all. Could you imagine being an eyewitness, seeing everything that was done? That's why you have the Bible written from these men because the Holy Spirit, he inspired them. He gave them what to write. So everybody had it. They go Matthew, they go Mark, they go Luke, they go John, and look who took over, Paul. Paul wrote more than they did, and he didn't even walk with Jesus. So this is what I'm saying. He was showing them, this is how I want my church. I want my church to be founded on my truths. I want my church to be founded on this good news that I'm giving you concerning the kingdom, which is coming through me. He said, I don't want anything else taught except what I have given you. Let's just stop right there. We got churches teaching stuff that Jesus didn't even claim. We got churches setting up laws. We got churches setting up things outside of what Jesus told them to do. We got churches saying there's no more apostles. There's no more prophets. They were done away with when they left. The only ones that they want to see in the church is the pastor, is the teachers, and the evangelists. They're only using three fingers. Guess what? If you cut off the thumb, you can't use the hand rightly, can you? You have the apostle, you have the prophet. Why is the pastor the middle finger? (laughs) That's the ring finger. He's married. She's married to the church. The apostle governs. The apostle got to have the vision of the church. The apostle sets it up. Why? So everybody can build upon what God has given them. Oh, y'all, it's too good. I'm trying to hold back because um, I'm getting too happy up here. See, when you're in the word all day long, you get too happy because I just sat there like this. That's how I was sitting there. And then I would get up and go outside a little bit. And then I would come back in and say, Jesus. The reason why is because when you understanding what the Holy Spirit is bringing, it brings more light even on things that you thought you knew. So this is how we check ourselves by the word of God because we're kingdom people. We don't go by the world's way. We go by the kingdom's way. And the only way you're going to know kingdom is through the word of God. So we see how Jesus set that up. Notice that when he got his 12 apostles, he was telling them, this is what I want you to do. Now, he had those apostles in the upper room, but he also had disciples in the upper room, right? So he was setting up the church. Right then in the book of Acts. And what I love so much, they could not go outside of what they learned. They can only tell people what they learned from Jesus, which was the chief cornerstone. So they can only tell them what they learned. So this is where I'm going. Knowing the book of Acts, we see how Peter, which was the one that was bad to the bones, act like he would die for Christ. You know, he's spitting out all of this. And this is why... Jesus began to say, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? How many times did he ask Peter, do you really love me? Well, feed my sheep. 
So Peter thought that he really loved Jesus, didn't he? But Jesus began to break it down to Peter. You're going to deny me three times, Peter. And Peter said, no, I ain't going to deny you. All of us can say that when nothing is happening. But when something get ready to happen, y'all probably deny me (laughs) because that's just human nature. If somebody come in here with a gun, ain't nobody worried about where I'm at. Everybody is for themselves. And once you get outside, that's when you'll look back and say, where's the fossil? Come on, let's just be real. Let's just be real. Then you'll try to find me once you find your safe place. That's what will be happening. But I believe Brother Hayes, he'll clear the room. So this is what I'm saying. This is how Peter was. So we do have some Peters in the room. But God knew what Peter was going to do, but that did not stop him from using Peter. This is what I want y'all to understand. He knew Paul, Saul, but that didn't stop him from using Saul and changes his, his name to Paul. He know all of us in this room have some defects. Is that not right? Everybody in this room have some defects in one area or another. Somebody may be trying to get over this. Somebody may be trying to get over that. But he's saying the only way you can get over it is through me. This is how it's going to work. So we see what's happening with Peter. This is why I'm going with Peter. Y'all know they was in the upper room. And I love what Jesus done. The order of the church is to make sure that we are endued with power. He is not going to send us out just with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit, that is to to say that you're sealed until the day of redemption. That means that you have a new identity in Christ through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That means that the Holy Spirit has come in there and that temple has been cleansed in order for the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to live on the inside of you. That's the first process. And that's in accepting who? Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He breathed on them in John, the 20th chapter. Did he not? They received the indwelling. But in Luke, this is why you got to go through all the gospel so you can put it together to see that he said, now you need to be clothed. You need to have some power to be effectual witnesses of for me. So y'all know they got the power of the Holy Ghost. They got the nine gifts of the Spirit because by the nine gifts operating as the Spirit wills, it's going to let people know on earth who you belong to because the things that you're doing is things that Jesus have already done before he went to be with the Father, right? So we see in Acts 2, they got all of that. But then the, the key is once they were endued with this power, Peter began to speak with boldness. What was Peter doing? He was laying the foundation. He was the apostle. He began to tell them about Jesus' death, burial, resurrection. He began to talk about all that. He began to even bring correction to let them know. Now, look at David. David didn't come back to life. David is still dead. So he, he was saying what David spoke wasn't about David. It was about Jesus Christ. So Peter was bringing correction to let them know, okay, don't you say this is David. It wasn't David. This is Jesus Christ. But before he said that, he said, 
We're not drunk. (laughs) This is what the word was speaking of in the book of Joel. So what was Peter doing? He was bringing back everything that needed to be brought so they could not use that. This is why this is going on. But he related it to the scripture. Why? Because he was opening up the scripture. He was giving them understanding from the time that it was prophesied in Joel. He said, what Joel prophesied is here right now. So he's laying the foundation of Jesus. He said, don't you remember that Joel prophesied that the sons, the, the men servants, the maid servants, they shall, you know, prophesy. He, he began to tell them everything that was already what proclaimed in the old Testaments through the prophet. So this is why when I went over Ephesians, the second chapter and said that the foundation was built upon the apostles and prophets, we're going to go back to that. But getting back to this part, Peter began to preach. And as Peter began to preach and proclaim the gospel, Peter was laying a foundation. That foundation was Jesus Christ. And this is the part I want you to see. Go back to, we've been here before. Um, Acts, the second chapter, verse 42. Now remember I said that Peter began to preach, right? He began to lay that foundation. In Acts 2.42, it says, they spent, devoted their time, learning the apostles' teaching. So in the King James Version, it says the doctrine. That doctrine means teaching. And then it says, sharing, fellowship, breaking bread, and praying together. So what did they do? The apostles began to teach them. What was they teaching? They were laying that foundation concerning Jesus Christ. And all of them began to share in the fellowship, to share, participate in what the apostles were doing. So they come up under who? The apostles. And they began to learn from the apostles. The next thing that I want you to see, we went over this too, because I'm going to bring it all together. You remember after they learned from the apostles and they continued up under the apostles' doctrine? Before then, if I'm not mistaken, I'm going to go back to it. It said that after Peter preached that sermon, preached on the good news concerning the kingdom, the good news that Jesus brought concerning the kingdom, laying that foundation, they were pricked where? In their heart. Change began to come because they were... Um, getting faith to believe in what was being laid, the foundation. But then it says 3,000 souls were added unto the church. Do you see what happens when you lay in the right foundation? People are going to get what? Added to the church. Did Peter add them? No. It was God who added to the church such as needed to be saved. Why? Because the foundation was being laid. And this is why I had to put that there first to go back where I'm going. Y'all following? Okay. Go with me back to 1 Corinthians. First Corinthians, the third chapter. Let me go over this a little bit and tell you what's happening. Paul had to go back to the church of Corinth. If you go to Acts, um, I believe it's the 18th chapter, it's talking about the church of Corinth when the foundation was being laid there, you know, concerning Jesus Christ. So Paul is going back to the Corinthians because he heard what was going on in the church. 
So the first thing that Paul began to tell them, um, when you look at verse 12 in Corinthians 1, he said, How this, now this I say, that every one of you saith, I'm of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. So it was division in the church because people were saying who they belonged to. One was saying, I belong to Paul. One was saying, I belong to Cephas. I believe that's Peter. One was saying, I belong to Apollos. One was saying, I belong to Christ. So they were divided. What we're seeing in the church today is people are saying, I belong to Apostle Amanda. I belong to this person. I belong to that person. No, you don't. Your identity is in Christ. You belong to Christ. And this is what Paul was setting up. We got too many people that say, I belong this place and I belong, you belong to Christ. That's the first thing that you have to understand. That's why it's division in the church. Remember, all of us are a universal church before we became a part of a local church in what? A certain um, city or a certain whatever. We all were universal because all of us is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. So if we leave Burga and go to China and we go to a church in China, all of us are coming together universally. Don't mean that, okay, she's stepping up in this church, so she can't step up in here because she's not a member. No, we come to fellowship from Burga in that church, so we're considered a universal church because everybody is meeting in that same location but that same foundation is supposed to be preached from that location. So when you leave your local church and you go to fellowship with another church, then those teachings are supposed to come together and be the same. It does not supposed to be a different foundation. I don't care where you go. The foundation is always Jesus Christ. So we first of all got to know that we belong to who? Jesus. This is what Paul had to start out with with them. So when we go to the third um, chapter, verse 4. So listen at this. I'm reading out of Amplified. He said it again. For when one says, I belong to Paul, and another, I belong to Apollos, are you not proving yourself ordinary, unchanged men? Listen at this. This is why the church is not representing who they really are. And when you see people in the church saying, I belong to this one, I belong to that one, it's carnality. And it said, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Ministering servants, not heads of parties, through whom you believe, even as the Lord appointed to each his task. So Paul was breaking it down. He said, you know, you belong to Jesus Christ. You don't belong to me. You don't belong to Apollos. He have sent us to um, minister unto you the good news, the gospel. So Paul is getting to the point that I'm going to. He said here, I plant, Apollos watered, but God all the while was making it grow, and he gave the increase. Remember we went back to Acts? What did Apostle Paul do? He laid the foundation of who? Jesus Christ, right? As he laid that foundation of Jesus Christ, who did the increase? God did the increase. Was there anybody else there that was doing anything outside of Peter that day? Do you see anywhere in here? This is when it was getting started right here. Right here in the beginning. You see Peter preaching, right? Peter was laying that foundation. 
You see the people accepting what, what he was proclaiming, the good news and the gospel. They accepted it, so God began to add unto the church. But when you get on up here with Paul, see, there were more disciples. It was more people doing it than it was Peter in the beginning. Y'all, this is so good, I'm telling you. So when you follow through with the Bible, you will understand why Paul is saying what he is saying, why Peter is saying what he is saying, but they're saying the same thing. It's the same foundation. So Paul was saying, I planted. So Paul is an apostle. He planted. He laid the foundation. Let's talk about Apollos, though. Paul planted. Apollos water. Let's see who Apollos was. This is where we got to go to talk about Apollos. Go to Acts 18, 24. Acts 18, 24 through 28. And it's going to talk about Apollos. This is who Apollos was. I'm reading out the Amplified. Meanwhile, there was a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, who came to Ephesus. He was a cultured and eloquent man, well-versed and mighty in the scriptures. Did you hear that? He was mighty in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord and burning with spiritual zeal, he spoke and taught diligently and accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he was acquainted only with the baptism of John. I'm going to stop right there. We got a lot of people that speaking Uh, with burning zeal the scriptures can go back and forth with the scriptures and you got people thinking that they know but they're so confident that it just comes out I mean it's just like yeah 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 that's the word that's the word but he was only doing it based on John remember John was still up on the old Jesus was bringing in the new So he was preaching up under John. John prepared the way for Jesus. After John prepared the way for Jesus, John was out of the picture. So Apollos was basing all of his scriptures on John. See, he wasn't um, moving forward. And this is what the, the Bible says. Now, not that John wasn't preparing the way, but this is what it said in 26. He began to speak freely, fiercely, and boldly in the synagogue. But I like the next part. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him with them and expounded to him the way of God more definitely and accurately. Let's just stop right there. See, people get mad when you go into the church and you say your doctrine is off. They mad. They ready to stone you up in there. I can tell you, I had many stones thrown at me. Because when I first started out, y'all, this is no lie. I started out really ignorantly. I was doing what God was telling me to do, but I didn't know he sought me up, Rick. (laughs) He sought me up, y'all. Jennifer, you know, don't you? (laughs) He sought me up because I had to deal with that child over there in that corner. He sought me up, (laughs) y'all. But when he did, when I would go out and uh, this is no lie. If, if they said to come, I would come. Yes, I would. And I'll sit there. Y'all just as nonchalant as y'all. Renee, you and Teresa know I was quiet, right? 
I would sit like I, I didn't know nothing. When I get to the church, I sit on that pulpit, wouldn't move, be just like right here. But when the spirit of the living God that's in me, when I opened my mouth, it was on and popping. And my husband knew it was on and popping because he was ducking and a dodging. He said, oh, no, she didn't say that. Oh, no, she didn't say that. Oh, no, did she say that? So he had to look to see was there any doors, which way he needed to go out. Well, he wasn't going to leave me for sure. He wasn't going to leave me. But this is how the Lord was setting me up for apostle. I didn't know that then. The only thing I knew is God has called me to root up and to tear down. To build and to plant. He had, he had equipped me for that. So the more I got into the word and the, the places that he would send me, and I'll give you an example, even dealing with me to um, show some of Miracle Temple, where we were then and where we are now. And they remember this. We went to a church in Wilmington. And before I left, I asked Brother Harold Alton. I said, I want you to make me a sheet, three sheets, one with chicken, one with fish, and one with a donut. The Lord didn't tell me why. He said, I want you to make those three printouts with those three things. So I said, Harold, do that for me. Y'all talking about a pretty picture. Harold made that picture look so good, you were hungry to look at it. He found the best pictures he could. So when we got up there, I said, okay, Lord, I got what you asked me to get. I don't understand. So when I began to preach... I, the Lord began to have me to tell the church, you don't have to sell chicken, you don't have to serve, sell fish, nor donuts to pay your rent. <laughs> because if God called you to this, God is going to take care of what he called you to do. The woman's eyes was bucked. She got up at the end of the teaching and she began to say, that's the truth. I was trying to pay the rent. Then the little boy ran out the kitchen and asked me, I want a donut. <laughs> she said, get back. You remember, honey? Get back in there with them donuts. But they gave it to us. So what I'm telling you is, this is how God put the church back in order. See, what we do is we try to find a way to take care of his kingdom. He didn't tell you to do that. He told you to go out and preach my kingdom preach the good news concerning jesus christ he said you don't need to take a script you don't need to even um take a purse you don't need to take all of this he said just go because i'm sending you he's going to take care of the rest but what have we done in the church we're trying to find a way to get something but if god have called us to what he have called us to he's going to provide what he have called us to if we trust him this is how the order of the church supposed to be. This is why, why do y'all think Jesus preached on um, Matthew 5, Matthew 6, and Matthew 7 with those disciples? He was telling them about fasting. He was telling them about prayer. He was telling them about, I know what you're in the need of, boys, before you ask. He said, I know your need. I'm your father. Don't you worry about what you eat, what you shall drink, how you shall be clothed. He said, the only thing you got to do is seek ye first the kingdom and his way of doing things. And all of these things shall be added unto you. So see, we as the church, as the body of Christ, when we come together, mm, 
on one accord and we're doing the will of the Father, there's nothing missing and nothing broken because Jehovah Shalom is in the midst of what we're doing. But what was going on in the church in Corinth? They were getting besides themselves. Well, I follow Paul and I follow Peter. No, and I follow Apollos. You saying you follow Apollos and Apollos had to be pulled to the side to be taught correctly. Do y'all know that's what we're supposed to do? But you know, we don't do it in the church. We'll sit up there and let somebody talk about something, dealing with somebody, and we won't pull them to the side because we want to keep friends. We'll let somebody talk about our brother or sister in Christ and know it's wrong because we said they ain't talking about me. They ain't got nothing to do with me. You're the church. Why do you think we spend time in here to tell you what you're supposed to be doing? So when you leave out of here and you have confrontation, you're taking back the order of the church. Have we got it yet? We getting it, right? So this is why people get mad when you tell them, I don't want to hear that. That ain't about me. That's about them. No, they don't have no problem with me. They got a problem with them. They went to them. And I told my husband that one night. I said, oh, they got no problem with me. I said, because they went to Athea. They got a problem with Athea. I'm just paraphrasing. They got a problem with her. If they went to her on me, then she's the problem. I ain't the problem because they out of order. And y'all wonder why I say that all the time. People get mad because I say, go to that person. I'm going to pray on it. How long you got to pray on what the word telling you to do? I got to be led. <laughs> you ain't led to lay down with nobody, but you do it. Do you pray on that before you do it? Jennifer say you pray that you don't get caught. <laughs> That's the praying. But when it comes to the order of the church, the way the church is supposed to be sought up, Rick, we don't follow that. Let's continue. So we see that Paul had to go into Corinth and he had to set things in order based on what he had already laid. He said, you out of order. And the thing that I like that Paul said, this is the thing here. Go back with me unto 1 Corinthians, the third chapter. Let's continue. Wait a minute. Did I finish with Apollos? No. Go ahead to Acts 18. And let's continue with verse um, 27. And when Apollos, okay, once they had expounded to him, they had to get him on the right track. They had to get, uh, teach him more accurately. In verse 27, and when Apollos wished to cross to Asia, most of Greece, the brethren wrote to the disciples there, urging and encouraging them to accept and welcome him heartily. When he arrived, he proved a great help to those who through grace, God's unmerited favor and mercy had believed, adhered to, trusted in, and relied on Christ as Lord and Savior. Look how it changed, y'all. Before he was um, fervent, he had a zeal because of John. But now when they went in and gave him accurate teaching, the correct foundation, 
guess what? They began to receive him. And verse 28 says, with great power, he refuted the Jews in public discussions, showing and proving by the scripture that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. Isn't that something how it changed with Apollos? Apollos had to get the correct teaching. He had to get the correct doctrine because he was so fervent in what he was doing that people were hearing him and they were seeing the zeal that he had and was thinking, wow, he got it together. Have you ever heard someone with so much zeal? And I'll say this, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to correct something. When somebody's behind the pulpit and they may be going, uh-huh, and God said, uh-huh, it's okay with the uh-huh as long as that's what he said. Let me correct it. It's okay if you're going to, uh-huh, okay? As long as you're preaching Christ. As long as you're preaching truth. Though in, the uh-huhs might be in there to help you breathe to get through it. But that's okay if that's what you're doing. But if you're being taught how to throw that in and taught how to wipe your face and taught how to say, now, give me an amen, <laughs> give me a hallelujah, uh-huh. you know, God said, uh-huh, and this is what he said, and you're trying to read and tell you what he said, because when you have the Holy Ghost and the power of God come upon you to do what he has sent you to do, you don't have to go on what you wrote you don't need what you wrote because once you read the scripture you may have your scripture written out the Holy Ghost is going to be the one that expounds from what is written he's going to be the one that released the power upon that word and people hearts are going to be changed they're going to be pricked and they're just going to come to the front and say Lord But people write it out. And as soon as that paper fall, they got to do something. People preach funerals based on sheets that they had for years. And they just changed the names. I've been in, on pulpits. And I'm not trying to discredit nobody. But see, I get angry. When I'm sitting there and I'm watching people hoop and holler on what man wrote to get some hollering. And people that's supposed to be taught act like they're going crazy. And you don't even know what they're saying. They wait to the end to hate you. Start out with, I'm going to get through this. I'm just going to, you know, take my time and we're going to get through this. And you start slowly reading. Then when you flip that page, and I'm telling you, I know what he said. Didn't he say it? Ain't that what he said? Tisha, did you hear what he said? Now, can I get an amen? Hallelujah. Then the whole church go wild. Then when the preacher calmed down, the church calmed. Don't let them play that keyboard. There'd be some moving going on with them keys. Because when they hit a certain key, that voice blending with the note, they gone now. They out there. They're going to hit you with the best shot. Leave the keyboard out and the preacher going to get mad because he didn't even what I told you. This is why the church is confused. 
Because when someone come in like Manny, and Manny began to teach, he began to dissect the scripture. They're not used to that. So they'll say, don't bring him back in here. It's boring. Because they used to people being hyped. Who died? I ain't getting nothing out of that. That ain't what I'm used to. Because there ain't no operation of the fivefold in your house. Come on, you're going to have somebody to preach, right? Y'all know I preach on Sunday. I slow it down and I teach it. But then I throw it out there again. <laughs> but that's not me. That's him. It's the way he want to do it and how he want to do it. So God will use whatever he need to use. I'll give you an example. Sunday, remember God said, there's a word and Sister Shirley's belly. Sister Shirley said, <laughs> that's what she did. I, I said, there's a word and Sister Shirley's belly. Come on out, Sister Shirley. And when she opened her mouth, she began to speak on the floor, speaking. God used her to bring a word. See, we move by him because it's always someone in the house that God can use outside of me because the, I ain't going to go there yet. Let me go back. Y'all, I'm so excited. We got to know what's going on, right? Okay, let's go back to 1 Corinthians, the third chapter. And we're going to go to verse 7. Y'all remember I told you that Paul was getting on them, saying it ain't about Apollos. It's not about Paul, right? Um, Paul plant, Apollos water, and then there's the increase. I want to use this too. Um, Verse 7, so neither he who plants is anything nor he who waters, but only God who makes it grow and become greater. He who plants and he who waters are equal, one in aim of the same importance and esteem. Yet each shall receive his own reward wages according to his own labor. I'm going to give you an example. Paul is using this um, as with a farmer. You have a farmer that goes out, and what that farmer does, first of all, he got to prepare that land, right? Before you plant anything, you got to prepare the land. Once he planted, once it's watered, it's not up to him to sit there and watch it to see if it's going to grow. See, the earth bring forth because God created the earth to bring it forth, but that farmer have to do his part. After he does his part, there's nothing else that he can do. Nothing. That's how it is with us. Once I lay that foundation, we have people building upon what is laid, right? Jesus is that foundation. So it's not up to me to beat it over Jennifer's head. It's not up for me to do that because God could send somebody else where I have laid the foundation and then somebody else is going to build upon the foundation, which is Jesus Christ. And guess what? It's going to be an increase. You know what that increase is? The body. It's the body, y'all. Because the more that apostle lay that foundation, People build upon that foundation with what's laid. Guess what? We're building the body of Christ, the temple of the Lord. Y'all get it? Okay, go back to, let's look at verse 9. Listen at this. 
This is what Paul is telling them. For we are fellow workmen, joint promoters, laborers together with and for God. You are God's garden and vineyard and field under cultivation. You are God's building. This is what's happening. Paul laid the foundation. Apollos, he came and built upon the foundation that was already laid, right? But guess what's happening? That um, husband's tree is the field. When you look at a field, Mr. Hayes, Brother Hayes, you can help me. Before anything is planted, we know that field has to be tilled it, right? You have to cultivate, right? That field. But this is what Paul is saying. I'm coming in here and I'm going to lay this foundation. He said, but you're the field. I'm going to have to work with that field. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Because that field got some stuff. That field got to be turned over. It got to be cultivated so you can grow. Oh my goodness. People don't want to be cultivated. That's why the church is not growing into a house. Because everybody thinks they know more than the one God sent. So this is what Paul is saying. He said that you are the field that need to be cultivated. You are the building. Building means you're the body of Christ. You are the church. This is what I'm doing right now. He said, did you not recognize that it's strife? There's envy amongst you because you're carnal? This is how the enemy get in the church. Because everybody got a different opinion about everything. God set up the church the way he wanted it to be. And people say, dang, what a thing you need to be doing. You need to be doing this right here, Thea. I have had so much going on with different people. God rest Brother John's soul. Because God was raising Brother John up to be a mighty man. But what happened? Brother John told you ain't nothing that ain't told. Brother John got big-headed. And he got big-headed because people in the church made him big-headed. They tried to put Brother John above me. They would call Brother John for counsel instead of calling me. Brother John get in a tight, guess who had to be called? Do anybody remember when I used Brother John to preach for me? And Brother John was preaching. And it was a put on. And people was in the church hollering about the fallout. You remember Miss Mary? Brother John said I was playing. Somebody pulled him aside and said, you wasn't playing. Because they had so much confidence in John because they was following John. John told y'all this. And John said, I needed help. He said, I was called in the office more than all of you. I was knocked over chairs more than all of you. I got pictures. He didn't want me to look at him. Don't look over here. Leave me alone, pastor. I never forget this day because deliverance was on the same. Leave me alone, pastor. I said, brother John, I don't have to touch you. Fell over the chairs and laid right there. (laughs) You know why? Because the power of God wanted to do something. In his life. And he wanted the power of God to do it. He wanted to be delivered. He didn't want no more attachments. See people see glory. But you don't know the story behind it. 
You don't know what people go through. You look at them because they're laughing, because you think that what they're speaking is what you can understand. Then you're telling them you need to preach, you need to do this. But when you tell people that stuff outside of what God is saying, you're putting them in the lion's den to get ate up. That's why you need to know the order of the church. If you see somebody in the church always coming up to you and telling you, you need to be pastor. You need to be prophet. You need to be teacher. And you ain't shutting that down. You becoming arrogant. Because you allowing people to run to you instead of building upon the foundation that's laid, that's order. Hmm. So, where was I? Okay, verse 9, right? Okay, and it says, according to the grace, the special endowment for my task. So Paul recognized it was because of God's grace that he was called to what he was called to. Of God bestowed on me like a skilled architect and master builder. I laid the foundation, and now another man is building upon it. But let each man be careful how he builds upon it for no other foundation can anyone lay that which is already laid which is Jesus Christ the Messiah the anointed one this is why you got to know the foundation and if anybody come in to build upon that foundation false doctrine you do not accept that because it will not last because that is not the true foundation Jesus is the true foundation. That's why you need to be taught. So wherever you go, wherever you invited into, you don't supposed to be accepting false doctrine because it brings confusion. And this is what the enemy does. When he know you in a good place and you getting what you need, he will send a deceiver and have that deceiver to invite you to a prophet meeting. To put you in the midst of confusion. To get you big headed to think you're supposed to be doing more than what you're doing where you at. And then you come back mad. Because you ain't being used. I done heard it. Done been there. Had to deal with it. Had somebody to tell me. Somebody told them. You're an evangelist. And your pastor know it. Leave me out of it. That's you. Why ain't you told me I was an evangelist? I said, what did God tell you? I'm telling you, y'all, it's time for us to do it the way God orchestrated it to be done. Not the way man think it need to be done. That's why he put you up under someone to teach you so you can go out, and guess what? As you go out, we're building upon the foundation that's laid. And the more we go out and build upon that uh, foundation, we end up having a lot of believers coming together, and we're building to a holy what? Temple. I'm going to stop right there. Ain't God good? All the time. He's good. So the more we learn, the more we will see what we're part of. We don't have to work something up, try to make nothing happen, because what 
we're seeing now it's already been it's already been y'all so that's why we have to go into the word of God and know what the word of God is saying and carry out the word amen so you got a little bit more and we'll start again next Tuesday if the Lord is willing and I pray that you got something out of this hallelujah thank you Jesus do we have any announcements at this time Juana